How's everyone doing today? Good. This community is incredible. This community is incredible. I've been a lot of places. Uh, I've been in a lot of groups of people. I've been with a lot of students, and there's something really special about this community. Something really special about this community. I'm also really excited to be here because we just came off a week. Um, well, I don't even want to. Reggie Dabbs was awesome. I don't want to even bring up his name because I don't want there to be any comparison between what he did and what I'm about to do because it's it's very different. <laughs> it's very different. I can't play the saxophone. That's it. Um, that's the only thing. Um, but we just came off some really incredible community events on Friday. How many of you went to fall retreat? to fall retreat. Where is 4 West Carlson and 3 West Phillips? There they are. That's where I was. That's where I was. Unfortunately for you, I'm talking about very similar things today. So uh, you'll have to let me know which one was better, which one was worse. Actually, don't. Um, and, and then yesterday, we had Living Area Chapel. Who went to Living Area Chapel? Okay. I snuck into a couple of those, and there is something so powerful. This, this place, this chapel is incredible. The worship that we have here, the, what, the opportunities that we have to listen and to grow and to be changed are incredible here. There's something, though, also so incredible about the opportunity to worship in your community, in your small community, with the people that you live with, with your roommate, with the people that... Um, you see every single day. You see them in their good, you see them in their bad, right? There's something so special about being able to worship in that environment that's so incredible. And so uh, take advantage of those opportunities. Uh, they're really, really special. Um, before, I, uh, before I get too far, I, I wanted to introduce you to my family uh, because I think that's uh, what everyone who stands up here is supposed to do first. Uh, so I wanted to introduce you to uh, my incredible family. My wife, uh, her name is Bree. I t I've told her, uh, ever since I've known her, that she's the, the very strongest person that I know. She's the strongest person that I know. She's so strong. Uh, she's one of those people who can discipline herself to do anything, anything. She, uh, she runs incredibly fast. She's one of those marathoners that people give things to because they're so fast. You know, like, if you run so fast, people are like, hey, can you wear my sock? And uh, that's actually a true story. I do not get free socks for my running. Um, she, she's in Chicago this week. So, yeah. So, uh, yeah, Chicago's good, right? Um, okay, and then also my daughter, my daughter Reagan, is, um, I remember when she, uh, when my wife and I were pregnant with her, I used to pray over and over and over again that God would give me a strong daughter. Like, God, I want a strong daughter. I, I want a brave daughter. I want a strong daughter. And I remember when she was born, hearing the Lord say to me, well, you got what you asked for, right? Hopefully it's still what you want, right? <laughs> because my daughter is sassy and she is loud and she is a leader and she's incredible. And so all of you who are strong women in this room, I need your help so desperately. Please help me raise my daughter well. <laughs> my son, Vasid, in the striped shirt there is literally the sweetest little boy in the entire world. If you come over to my house, and I hope that many of you do, uh, within 15 minutes, he will likely be sitting on your lap. And but he literally, he tells me he loves me at least four or five times a day. He's just the sweetest, most sensitive little guy in the whole world. The other little guy who looks super confused about things, uh, his name is Paxton, and he is six months, or a year and a half, sorry, he's a year and a half old. 
and uh, he is a joy. He makes this, uh, used to make this really loud screaming noise every time he wanted to get something, you know? So if he was hungry, he would make this really loud screaming noise. And so I told my wife recently that when I look back on this stage of my life, I'll see, you know, what I'm doing, but in the background, I'll hear this really loud screeching, screaming noise, right? Because that's like the backdrop of my life. Um, he's not doing it anymore, thank God. So this is my family. I also have uh, the privilege, so my wife is in Chicago this week, and so I reached out to my parents and said desperately, please can you come help me, because I can do it, but goodness, it's gonna be hard. So my parents are in the audience too. They flew in from Pennsylvania to help me out this week. So that's pretty cool. So I just said I'm from Pennsylvania, and so I was born in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and then my family moved to State College, Pennsylvania. Is anyone here from Pennsylvania? This is like an easy, I will be your favorite person. Okay. Or you will be my favorite person. Or we'll see. Um, so I was born in Pittsburgh, so, and then moved to uh, State College where Penn State is. So my, um, my sports allegiances from a very early age have been predetermined for me, right? Like you, I could not live in Pittsburgh and not be a Steelers fan. Like it just doesn't exist, right? Um, I was telling someone the other day that my grandma literally prays for the Steelers every single night by first name. That's what you do. Um, so I was born in Pennsylvania and then I, uh, you know, for a lot of you, uh, I think uh, probably similar. I was super connected to my youth group, right? I was really, really connected to my youth group. That was probably one of the first places I felt like, oh, here's, here's what community looks like. This is what community can be like. I felt like I had something to give and, and I was also receiving things. I felt like I um, had an opportunity to share and an opportunity to, um, to do things that mattered, right, in my youth group. I also felt like I belonged, I belonged there, right? I belonged in my youth group. Another place that I felt like I belonged was, was in my family. I felt like I belonged there where I felt like, yeah, we have conflict. We wrestle back and forth. We are loud and we try to figure things out. I have an older brother and three younger siblings, so there's five of us, so we're loud. Uh, but I felt like I belonged. Uh, and today, um, today I want to talk about places of belonging uh, or community, places of belonging or community. When I was, um, when I was being interviewed for this job, uh, people ask me over and over again, what is it that you think students at North Central need? What, is, what do you think is important for North Central students? I, I said a lot of things, but the thing that I kept coming back to over and over and over and over again is that I feel like people, uh, students at North Central need to know, uh, need to have places of belonging where they feel like they can connect, where they feel like they are loved, they're truly accepted for who they are. They don't have to have masks up, they don't have to have walls up, but we simply can be who we are. And I think that also, you know, I, I thought that over and over and over again when Reggie Dabbs was here last week and he was talking about uh, the types of things that he was talking about last week and thinking people just need to know that they're loved, that they're cared for, that, they, um, that, that they're wanted, right? That they're wanted. And I, I know that those things don't solve uh, uh, places of belonging, might not solve everything that he was talking about last week, but goodness, it would sure help, right? It would sure help. So I want to ask you, what what do we want community, what do we want places of belonging to look like? Uh, what does a place of belonging look like for you? And I think the first thing that's really important for us to remember is that we were created to belong to each other, 
That's what I want to start. We were created to belong to each other. And I think we know that because if you reread the creation story, we have God coming down and he creates everything out of nothing, right? He creates day and he creates night. He creates, uh, he creates land. He creates sea. He creates the birds, the everything, right? He creates everything. He creates a person. He says, Adam, you're here. And then he says, you know what? Everything else has been good up to this point, but you know what? It's not good for you to be alone, right? So everything up until that point, all of creation, everything that he had created up until that point was good. Everything was good until he saw, you know what? You need to be with someone else. And so he created Eve. And that's where we have kind of our first example of perfect community. That's perfect community, both interpersonally and then also with the Lord. That's where we had our our first really and only example of perfect, perfect community. And so I just brought it up a second ago, but I want you to picture this thought in your head. Everyone close your eyes for one second. Thank you. Um, What does it look like for you to have a community where you feel like you belong? What does it feel like for you to have a community where you feel like you belong? I want you to think of three words, maybe three descriptors that you feel like you have. Okay, perfect. You can open your eyes. All right, if you feel really brave, why don't you tell the person next to you your three words? All right. Everyone get a chance to say your words? All right, let's bring it back. So this, is, so this is the thing about community, right? We say we want places of belonging. We say we want community, right? But community is a really messy thing. Community is really, really messy. And you know what? If we look in Scripture, uh, I just did a quick search for community in Scripture, and it's really easy to find examples of messiness in Scripture. The first one I want to pull out is uh, Acts chapter 5. We have the story of Ananias and Sapphira, right? It's right after the early church had just been created. Ananias and Sapphira, they're, uh, they're kind of in this wave of people uh, having stuff, selling that stuff, bringing what it is that they got from that stuff, putting it at the apostles' feet, and saying, please give it to people who have less than what I do. So we're kind of in this wave of that. And Ananias and Sapphira are kind of caught up in this wave. And so they decide to do that. They say, hey, we have this tract of land. Let's go ahead and sell it, bring it to the apostles' feet, and then, uh, and then they can distribute it, right? And so they decide to do that. And then at some point, they decide to not do that. Uh, and then the Lord deals really, really strictly with them, right? And so I'm reading this book called uh, Everybody Always by Bob Goff, which is such a good book. Uh, And in it, he talks about the story of Ananias and Sapphira. And he says, you know what? Sometimes we start out with the very best intentions, right? Everyone else is doing this really cool thing that I get to sell what I have and I get to take it and I get to give it to the apostles and they're going to give it to the people that need. And maybe you started with that and then our intentions change, right? Have you ever started something with the best intentions and then like three days later, you're like, this is very different than what I thought it was going to be, right? That's always running for me, right? Like I'm going to run like 16 miles every single day, you're right, and you do it no times. And then at that point, you're like, I need to do two miles or one mile or zero miles. Um, 
Uh, sometimes we start out things with the very best intentions and then things change. And that's what he said. Maybe this is what happened to Ananias and Sapphira. Maybe they thought, you know what? Everyone else is doing this. I want to be great. And so around, you know, they said this on Monday, then maybe Wednesday, you know, it's a little less great, but I'm still telling everyone that that's what I'm going to do. And then Thursday and Friday roll around, you're still telling people, but you've already decided you're not going to do that anymore. And then Saturday and Sunday roll around and you bring this amount of money that's a little different than what maybe you told your friends you were giving and uh, maybe it comes out. Community is messy. In Acts chapter 6, we have the story of uh, different widows being overlooked in the distribution of food, so much so that the apostles actually have to create a, a whole committee just to give food to people, right? Because based on people, based on their nationality, weren't getting what they needed by the community, right? We jump ahead to uh, Acts chapter 11, which is right after the story of Peter going to Cornelius's house. And he goes there, even though he's, uh, even though based on his entire cultural system, he's not supposed to go to Cornelius's house, but he kind of deals with his own internal bias that the Lord kind of brings up. And he says, you know what? I am supposed to go to Cornelius's house. So he goes to Cornelius's house uh, and has this incredible experience there where the, where the spirit of the Lord is poured out uh, on, this, on this Gentile group and it kind of opens his eyes. But immediately he's confronted by the religious leaders saying, hey, what'd you do? You're not supposed to go there, right? So we have, we have community being full of religious superiority. In 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and 1 Corinthians chapter 6, we have several examples of sexual immorality in the community, right? Community is messy. In Galatians chapter 2, we have a story of Paul confronting Peter because he's showing favoritism. Uh, he's, he's not eating with the right kinds of people. He's not showing that we're all equal under the eyes of Christ. He's showing favoritism. Community is messy. And I know that some of you, when you hear stories of community, when you think of stories like community, that, those are the stories that kind of come into your head right? So when you think of, you know, I, I said maybe my youth group at home, right? Maybe for you, your youth group was incredibly dysfunctional, right? Or maybe your school system that you were part of was incredibly dysfunctional. Or maybe your family was not a place where you felt like you belonged, right? And so when you think of community, you think, why would I ever want to be a part of that? Why would I ever want to be a part of a community if they can hurt me like that? Or they can, if they're full of people that gossip or talking about me, or maybe they pretend to love me, but on the other side of it, they're actually talking behind my back and they're hurting me, right? Why would I want to be a part of a community like that? Because messiness is not all that community is right? Messiness is not all that community is. We have this incredible scripture uh, in uh, Acts chapter 2, right after Pentecost happened. It's Acts chapter 2, verse 42. It says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with uh, awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to everyone as they had need. Every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes, ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. That sounds like a community I want to be a part of, right? Doesn't that sound like a community? You had every, the Bible says they had everything in common, right? Like they, they were completely connected. They had, they had this goal. They had this vision, and that's what they were moving. Everyone was doing that. That's a community you want to be a part of. In Romans chapter 12, we have Paul talking to the church in Rome and saying, listen, if, you're, if your role is to teach, then teach. If your role is to preach, if your role is to lead, then lead. If, you're, if your role is to give mercy, then do it. Do those things. That's a community I want to be a part of where people are operating in their strengths and are operating the, where the Lord has called them to do. And that's, that's a community I want to be a part of. But listen, if we want to have 
uh, if we want to have a community that's healthy, that's thriving, that's vibrant, where everyone succeeds equally, right? Everyone is succeeding equally, where wrongs are made right, where people are made whole, where no one has to hide who they are, right? If we want that type of community, that means we have to be ready to deal with messy people, people who make mistakes, people that fail periodically. Because listen, biblical community does not equal perfect community. Biblical community does not equal perfect community. I think if you just took a quick look inside yourself, you would say, oh yeah, I'm not a perfect person, right? Everyone just kind of look inside really quick. Are you a perfect person? If you are, please come up immediately and kick me off the stage. All right. You're not a perfect person, right? So you are an imperfect person gathering with a bunch of imperfect people to create a community, right? That does not become a perfect community. You can't become a perfect community, right? Because we're not bringing perfection, we're bringing our imperfection. You can't have one without the other. You can't have this incredible, thriving, great, beautiful community where everyone feels safe and secure and loved and cared for. You can't have all of that without bringing in everyone else's baggage of feeling insecure or feeling unloved or feeling uncared for. You can't have one without the other. So now I want to spend a couple minutes with the time I have left talking about how we create this community. The first example uh, that I see, and, and actually literally every example that I just read in, uh, that I just referenced with the messy community, is, is someone confronting someone else based on what it is that they are doing wrong, right? So if we want to have an incredible community, if we want to have a great community at North Central, one thing that we have to learn how to do is to confront, right? We have to learn how to confront. And I think there's two extremes when you come to this, right? You have the people over here that when I say the word confrontation, literally get a sick feeling in your stomach and you go, ugh. And maybe, you've, maybe it's for a, a host of good reasons, right? Maybe it's because you've had a really bad experience confronting someone. Maybe you tried and they got super angry, right? They got really frustrated or maybe they, um, or maybe they lashed back out at you and it was just a really negative situation, right? So you have people on this side and then you have people over here on this side that quite literally live to confront other people. That is what, that is like their purpose in life. They live to confront other people. And I will be honest, you people terrify me. Because it's scary to be around someone who's going to confront you all the time, right? It's a, little, it's a little nerve-wracking. Now, I would hope that we're like more in the middle here. I would assume that a majority of us are in the middle here. But if you're on this extreme, you probably need to soften up a little bit. And if you're on this extreme, you probably need to toughen up a little bit, right? We have this story in, uh, in Residence Life that we share every once in a while where um, it happened a long time ago. So don't try to figure out who it was. But uh, we had this student who came to their RD and they said, uh, you know what, I need to get a new roommate. I can't deal with this guy anymore. He's mean. He is inconsiderate. He is, uh, he's just awful. I can't live with him anymore. So the RD, being a good RD, says, um, well, what's, what's he doing, right? What's, what's causing this? So the guy says, you know, well, every single night he comes into the room super late at night. I'm already sleeping. He flips on the light and he just kind of makes a mess. He's loud. I can't stand him, right? I'm just trying to sleep. I'm trying to get my grades. I'm trying to, you know, I'm trying to do what I'm supposed to do as a student. I can't do it. I need a new roommate. So the RD says, well, have you talked to this person? Have you communicated that you're frustrated? And the guy goes, well, I, I mean, I haven't said it, but he knows, like he knows that I'm frustrated, right? Right? And so the RD goes, well, 
let's explore this one step further, right? How would your roommate know? If you've never said anything, how would your roommate know that you're frustrated at him? So the guy goes, well, when he comes in really late at night, he flips on the light. You know what I do? I roll my eyes at him. I just, just roll my eyes. I mean, he knows. He knows that. I, I mean, he, if he looked at me and he saw my, he would know that I was angry, right? I roll my eyes at him. That is an example of not very good confrontation. We have to learn how to confront other people in a godly, godly way. And thankfully in scripture, we do have an example, right? If you're frustrated at someone, you go to that person and you say, hey, listen, what you did offended me. What you did was wrong and I need to call you out on that, right? If that doesn't work, you go back and you grab someone else. You grab your RA, your RD, a faculty member. You grab someone else that you trust and you go back and talk to them, right? Here's some things that confrontation isn't. It isn't you getting godly counsel from all your friends before you go talk to that person, right? That's called gossiping, just in case we're curious. It isn't uh, posting it online, right? It isn't posting it online because you're, you, know, you want to get some validation here before you, uh, before you do what you're supposed to do. That's not what confrontation is. The second thing is to be confrontable, to be confrontable. If we want to have a great community on our campus, we need to be confrontable, we need to be in a community where people are able to call us out if we're going off the rails, right? The, one of the first things I did with my staff when I was in a staff meeting, I said, hey, listen, I'm probably going to make a lot of mistakes this first year and probably beyond, and I need you to call me out on it, right? I'm going to make mistakes. I'm, I'm going to overstep. I'm going to say something I'm not supposed to, and I need you to call me out on it. You have to call me out on it, right? I think one of my very favorite traits in other people is whether or not they're a teachable person. Are you someone that can take instruction and grow from it? That will set you up for huge success in life. I'm running short on time. I'm going to finish this up. The third thing is that we need to think about ourselves in the context of our community. We need to think about our personal actions in the context of our greater community. The question I want to ask in that is, is what I'm doing, is the action that I'm taking as an individual, is that building a better community or a worse community? Because listen, as a, as a person, right, as a believer, as an American, as an NCU student, you have rights, right? You have rights. And those are mostly great things. Those are mostly great things. But when you decide to, to pursue membership in a particular community, in any community, right? It could be your family. It could be your job. It could be, your, uh, it could be a, a church. It could be a, wherever you work. It doesn't matter. Whenever you decide to pursue membership in a community, you decide to submit your individual rights to um, hold on, I wrote this really well. You decide, you decide to submit your individual rights to the benefit of the entire community. You decide to submit what you want to the benefit of the entire community. When you want membership in a community, you submit your individual rights to the benefit of the entire community. I have people come to my office often and they say, well, it's not wrong to do this. It's not wrong to do this. Yeah, absolutely, right? But listen, you, you want to be a part of this community, which means you submit what you want uh, so that you can be a part of this community. And that's, uh, that's an incredible thing. It's also, um, it's a really powerful thing to do that, to submit uh, what you want. The last thing I want to say is that great community requires great effort. Great community requires great effort. Great community does not happen to you. You don't stumble into great community. You get to create it. You get to create it. I want you to think about your three words that you said just a minute ago. 
You get to create that type of community if you want on our campus. And listen, every single year, we have students that step up every single year that step up and, uh, and call our community to really great things. Sometimes they're juniors and seniors, just as often they're first years and second year students, where they call us to really great things. They call us to be who we can be. They call us to create the kind of community that we want. And listen, you get to create it. And so I want everyone to close your eyes here. I'm going to pray, and we're going to wrap up here. And, uh, um, and what I want to pray is that um, you feel like you have the ownership you have the ownership to create the type of community that you need or want on this campus, okay? So God, I thank you so much for this community. Father, thank you so much for North Central. God, thank you for where we are, and thank you for every single person that's a part of this community. Father, whether they feel like they're a part of the community or not, Father, help them to know, help it to be reinforced, you belong. You belong. God, I pray for those people, Father. I pray that you help us help our community to create a, a sense of belonging, a space of belonging, a place of belonging for each person on our campus. Father, whether that's on a floor or whether that's on a, uh, um, whether that's in a class or in a student organization or, or maybe it's just a bunch of people hanging out and having lunch. Father, I pray that you help every single person to feel like they belong on our campus. And then Father, one step further, Father, I pray that you help every single person feel like they have the ownership to create the type of campus that they need or want for their community. God, if that's safety, if that's security, if that's confidence, if that's love, if whatever it is, whatever those words are, Father, I pray that you help every student to feel like they have the confidence to do that. God, I pray that you, you, you pull people out of our campus, Father, that will help us be the best version of ourselves. God, thank you so much for the way that you love us and the way that you love North Central's campus. Please bless us and help us to realize that we have a responsibility in our community. In Jesus' name, amen.